Freedom is never more than one generation away from We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hello, and welcome to Battlefields. I'm your host, Ryan Fields, and with me tonight is Cody. How you doing, Cody? Doing good, doing good. I'm doing actually really good because I got to help Virginia turn red. That's right. This is a very good day indeed. Total red, too. Like, if there was an R in front of the name, it, it they got in. They, oh, that, yeah. was, that was amazing. So I know we're... Uh, Looking to brighter days uh, for for us coming up because of that. So, and we'll, we actually may mention a little bit of that in tonight's episode too. We're going to be talking with Rick Boyer of the Integrity Law Firm about uh, some of the mandate type situations that we're all still kind of face, uh, facing nationwide, really. But uh, we want to get into him uh, into it a little bit with him on what Virginia looks like currently and what we might kind of be looking at in the future so yeah we just gotta hope that um mr yunkin doesn't turn around and slap us all in the face i still don't trust anybody yeah well i mean i think he he definitely made it pretty clear right there towards the end of the run his his last few weeks he really started to come out and say some pretty strong stuff i feel like he he's at least voiced that he's against mandates um, and you know, is, is, as far as all the school issues that were going on, um, no, he, yeah, he, he, I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. If he I'm holds hopeful, true I'm his not, word, I'm I think just... we're in, you know, we're, we're, we're looking up. We're so, so it's going to be good, but we still have a couple of, couple of months until he's actually in officially. So we'll see. But anyway, like I said, the, the, there's been a lot of activity going around, really across the country um in in several different states we're seeing some some positive some negative um i know in iowa uh, uh governor kim reynolds just allowed uh residents to obtain unemployment benefits if they happen to be fired by uh companies that have mandates for them not getting the vaccine um florida is is kind of on top of everything they uh of course, you know, DeSantis has uh, proposed an end to corporations requiring the vaccines. Um, he's put fines, I uh, think, for, for mandates. Um, he also, for, he's opening his ports up, too. They got the first shipment in, like, yes, right. was yeah, it yesterday? Yeah, yeah or, I think, well, I think they've, they've definitely started uh, was, you know, allowing did, I don't know when the first came in. but Right. I, well, the other thing that they have proposed, too, is to actually end... OSHA oversight and kind of create their own safety agency, which I think is pretty amazing because it's just kind of bypassing this whole <laughs> whole deal altogether if they manage to get that passed. I know they're yeah. having some issues in their um, in their legislator though. Like he he uh, DeSantis is pushing a lot of things, but they're kind of fighting within their own system a little bit over getting some of these things done. Um, they they've had you know, some different, um, like I said, just legislative issues. Um, and, uh, uh, one of the, one of the actual kind of negative ones is coming out of Texas. It looks like right now, um, okay. 
Governor Abbott had proposed a bill to make businesses who require vaccinations vulnerable to discrimination lawsuits, but it was actually rejected by the Texas legislator. So that's kind of shocking. Yeah, out of Texas, I know that that is strange. Um, in uh, Cook County, uh, a judge suspended requirements that all Chicago police officers be vaccinated by the end of the year. Uh, there was an Illinois judge that issued a temporary restraining order barring hospital systems from putting uh, unvaxxed workers on paid leave. And let's see, the uh, there was also uh, Senator Ron Johnson was doing some hearings with a lot of the uh, the vaccine injured. They had uh, all these all these different witnesses that were talking really? at those the other day. Yeah, that was uh, painful to listen to. I mean, just I some bet. some horrible stuff. But that's a that that's a huge step in the right direction. It, it is, and I mean, I don't. It, again, it's it's currently going on, so I don't really know where it's going, what the end result of it'll be, but just that there there is someone who's getting that out there and and that they're they're hearing it. So uh the the main one that we would we're gonna mention um once we get Mr. Boyer on the phone here soon is uh the case that an attorney uh Mike Yoder actually has a a, a federal case right now that is really for for mostly in the realm of religious exemptions. Um, but he's trying to get uh, a hold put on the the advancing of these mandates until they kind of get to the bottom of this. And who is the, Mike Yoder? Is he like a is he just a senator? Or no, he's a, he's, he's a, a lawyer. lawyer. He's actual yeah. He's the lawyer who's heading the case. I think he's representing about thirty to forty people right now. Just in in the beginning of this case, I don't know how many. You know, if if uh, more are able to kind of jump in on it, but he he just kind of lumped all that together and took this one uh, on as a as a federal level case. Um, so again, that's that's still kind of pending because he they kind of put an ultimatum to to the government of you know like what's your response to this? They had a deadline, they responded back, and it again they're all still kind of active. There there haven't been any of them that are uh, definitive you know, yes or no's. Um, but there's, there's a lot of action being taken, you know, is the point, you know, it's just across the country. It's people are, people are seeing what they can do, uh, you know, to, you know, to push back on the mandates themselves. So we'll, we'll see where a lot of these go. Yeah. Well, I, I hope that the country just continues to go in the, in the direction it's going, I don't know the, the 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 governorship and all of these other races were extremely encouraging. Oh yeah, uh, just across yeah. the country, all of the, it, every election is just blood red. Yeah, well, and even the uh, even the New Jersey one, I I think now it's official that the Republican candidate did lose, but it was, I mean, I think it was by seven thousand or something, maybe I, I think was the total count. Uh, that that's what I saw last. It was somewhere in that range, but I mean, you know, razor thin in comparison of of New Jersey. You know what it should be. They, they almost lost that one, uh, e- even though it's still a blue state. It's clearly not still a blue state. So. Yeah, but, we'll see what happens with that. But. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's see. We'll try to get this set up and get Mister Boyer on here. Mr. Boyer, thank you for giving us a call tonight. 
Uh, th- this is Absolutely. my uh, yeah. Th- this is my co-host Cody. Um, Good to meet you, Cody. You too. So, how you doing tonight? Running around like crazy. I'll bet. I'll bet. Yeah, it's a good day though. We were just talking about that. It's it's a <laughs> it's looking up for us a little bit here. It is. Um, I, I said that this morning. Some some folks who who didn't understand what six semper tyrannis on our state flag means, they just found out. Right there, <laughs> you go. That's right. Yeah. Well, uh, again, thank you so much for for calling in with us tonight. Um, I guess we could just uh, get started. Why, why don't you just tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, you know, your background, and then also about your law firm? Sure. Uh, I've been involved in conservative activist politics long before I got into the law. Uh, I've done that since well, this will be my 30th year of being oh, wow. involved as a volunteer in conservative politics. I've started at 16 years old. Um, I went back to um, law school. It was more or less a I guess my midlife crisis, I've been in the construction world for my entire career and hated it and uh, yeah. opened the, uh, went back to law school in 2007 as sort of a, as I say, a midlife career change. Okay. Uh, my practice is, is built really just a small town general practice here in Lynchburg, Virginia, but uh, I've of late have started to, uh, to get some constitutional cases. I've argued um, First Amendment uh free association cases in front of uh, U.S. District Courts here in Virginia, the Fourth Circuit. Um, one of my criminal cases went to the Virginia Supreme Court where we were successful, so that was that was a lot of fun. Okay. But uh, really getting into a lot more uh, constitutional, religious freedom, uh, personal liberty cases, doing some stuff for uh, some Second Amendment groups. So uh, really that was my hope when I went to law school is that I could use the, use the law career to – to help to advance freedom, and it's over the last several years, it's we, we've really begun to begun to be able to be involved in some of those battles and uh, enjoying it tremendously. Okay, wow, great. that's that's awesome. So you you came from uh, blue collar lifestyle into uh, into the law, huh? Now I'm just a blue collar guy wearing a suit. That's well, that's what we hey. need. That, hey, yeah. That's that's awesome. But uh, so, are you originally from around Lynchburg area, or? Almost originally, my my dad was still with the Air Force in Panama City, Florida, when I was born. He got out a month later and moved here to go to uh, what's now Liberty University. Okay. And um, so we've, we've been in Lynchburg since I was a month old. So 47, oh, wow. 47 years this month, I guess. I, wow. I think that counts. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it does. Close enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it, the, we kind of just really wanted to talk tonight about, I guess you know, the current situation, like you just said, <laughs> with the mandates on, on, um, we've seen a lot of pushback in some other states. We were just discussing some of those before getting on with you, you know, just across the country, there's a lot of different activity going on. Some, some positive, some negative. Um, but I guess we'd like to get your take on where we kind of currently stand in Virginia and, uh, what is the actual, status of the mandate as far as enforcement of it from the Biden administration and, and OSHA right now? The, uh, the difficulty is the, the more recent mandate is federal coming down from Joe Biden, right? which you all probably understand right now has no force whatsoever. It's just a, a statement from the president. Right, right. Basically, he has directed the 
director of the Department of Health and Human Services, which oversees OSHA, to promulgate regulations that would require any employer of more than 100 employees to vaccinate all their employees. Uh, right now, there's still no regulation promulgated, but it's a catch-22 for those of us in the conservative legal world who would like to file suit right away. Mm-hmm. But until you actually pass the regulation, there's nothing to sue over and there's no defendant. Right. Um, and so we're waiting for them to pass a regulation. But in the meantime, all the companies are, are cowering and panicking and, and caving into the, the Biden administration. Um, right now, there's nothing more than a threat. But when the federal government is threatening you, it's a pretty powerful threat. Hmm, for sure. So yeah. the, the biggest problem we have is the employers who have more than 100 employees who feel like they don't have a choice because of the federal mandate. Now, the, the federal mandate unless there is a clear religious exemption in that mandate, uh, I'm confident that eventually the Supreme Court is going to require a religious exemption. Um, The problem is by the time it gets to the Supreme Court, you may be a year or two years down the road. And in the Mm -hmm. meantime, people may be out of work or or looking for a new job, waiting for the Supreme Court to eventually vindicate their case two years down the road. Yeah, that's Um, not good. Unless you have either a religious or a medical exemption right now, um, no one has had any success against the mandates. Um, again, I do think the eventually I think the federal mandate is, is going to be and should be declared unconstitutional. Hmm. The federal government, the, the, the power to enforce a, a vaccine mandate, a quarantine, anything like that, any sort of health related uh, requirement is clearly uh, reserved to the states. And the Supreme Court has said multiple times there is no so-called police power at the federal level. Those police powers are state and federal or or state and local powers. Mm. Now, the Supreme Court held in the Jacobson case back in 1905 that the states have states and localities have the power to pass. And I quote, health laws of every description, unquote. So basically, the, the states and localities have vast power, as the Supreme Court sees it, to pass health laws of every description. The federal government just does not and would have to basically try to claim that under the Commerce Clause power, which is probably more advanced, more uh, detailed than we'll get into today. But um, I don't think it's going to survive Commerce Clause review when it gets to the Supreme Court. I anticipate eventually the the federal mandate being shot down as unconstitutional, much like uh, President Biden's uh, eviction moratorium, federal eviction moratorium was shot down. I I believe it was nine to nothing. The Supreme Court shot it down and said that the federal government has no power to enforce a nationwide eviction moratorium. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Um, But in the short term, people are losing their jobs and there's not a lot of immediate redress. Um, If you have a religious or medical exemption, some folks have been having success. But short of that, um, there has not been a lot of success against the federal mandate. At the Virginia Mm -hmm. level, I think that will start changing with the the new administration. I don't anticipate... I, I think when Mr. Youngkin said in his victory speech last night, Virginia will be open for business. I suspect that's part of what he meant. We're not going to shut businesses down over vaccines and, and mask mandates and yeah. so forth anymore. Um, hopefully we we can hold him accountable to that and need to hold him accountable to that. But I, I suspect after January, Virginia's um, rush toward mandating vaccinations for employees, for school children is probably going to die on the vine, hopefully. And, and, as long as we do our job in pressuring the governor, I anticipate that a lot of that pressure will die on the vine, and then we're left with the federal mandate. Right, right. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking to that 
uh, federal level of the mandate. Um, we wanted to talk with you a little about the the case that attorney Mike Yoder is bringing against the federal government right now. Um, that I guess I know it I have not even I have not even seen that case, Ryan. So okay. I'm not going to be qualified to speak to it. Mean, if, if you can give me a little bit of detail, I might be able to, to sort of shoot in the dark a little bit, but I'm not familiar with the case. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, as far as I, I think he. I know he's representing a group of about 30 to 40 people right now. Um, and it, it does hinge pretty primarily on the religious exemption. Um, and he had, he had put kind of a, basically a request to halt the mandate until they handled the issue. And the judge actually was fairly approving of what they, what they were putting out there. And they kind of, put a deadline at the government to, you know, to get back with their take on it. And I think that they were, you know, they came back with, oh, well, you know, there is no, like you said, that there is nothing official yet as far as anything that is a requirement, anything that's an enforcement of this. So it's too early to, you know, no one's really losing their jobs or anything yet because there's no enforcement, but clearly people are losing their jobs. So that's the difficulty is the companies are firing people for fear of what's coming. I mean, they assume that as soon as the president opens his mouth, um, that it's federal law and right. it's not, uh, right. but they're, they're assuming as much. And so the companies are sort of, um, preemptively firing people for fear that they're going to be gigged by the federal government if they don't. Right. And, and like I said, that, that's, that's kind of where he was, um, going at it specifically for the religious exemptions and the, you know it's it's funny that they're using their own their own words against him that they haven't done anything that well you know it's too early to put a case out there but I, I, the last i heard i think they had to get back on that you know that deadline that the judge had set on them and so now it you know it's all still current it's it's happening you know by the day it's kind of um it's, I, it, I was just if you, if you had any any take on, you know, how that might be, how, where that might go at a federal level, what we could hope to see out of it even. I had not, Ryan. Uh, okay. I will, I'm certainly happy to look at it. I'm, I'm, I'm Googling it a little bit as you're talking, sure. uh, trying, to, trying to get just a bit of a feel for it. Um, it. It looks like so far we've had some some positive rulings from the court. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure the I'm sure the Biden administration will will uh, will challenge it. My understanding is it's a a federal workers lawsuit that it's right. federal employees, civilian employees, and military employees. Um, and the, the court has basically said um, we're not going to allow these military folks to be disciplined. The, the Biden order actually would would require a dishonorable discharge for any military service me- service member who does not take the vaccine, wow. which is hugely, um, it's full of disabilities once the member returns to civilian life. I mean, it's almost like a felony conviction when you, if you're dishonorably discharged from the military right? Yeah. in terms of its impact. And it's that's precisely why the Biden administration did what they did. Mm. But my understanding, and just very quickly looking at it, as the judge has basically said, until the court has opportunity to rule on the on the uh, the merits of the case, the federal government cannot enforce it, cannot fire federal employees, and cannot fire 
uh, military members, cannot discipline them, cannot punish them. Um, so there, it's a temporary restraining order, basically, until the until the uh, court can rule on the merits of the case. So it's very positive. Uh, a number of cases have been filed already challenging colleges, public universities, and other public entities that are forcing the vaccine mandates. They have, um, some of them have gone as far as a, a single justice of the Supreme Court asking for review by the whole Supreme Court. So far, they really have not been granted. You have the usual three suspects, uh, Justices Alito um, and uh, and uh, Thomas, and I think oftentimes we're getting uh, either Kavanaugh or Gorsuch. So we're getting three justices, usually Gorsuch, I believe, Alito and Thomas, that are in, in favor of uh, considering the challenge and think that it ought to be heard, ought to be uh, brought up before the entire court. Uh, justice Thomas is absolutely my favorite justice and right. he was yeah. even though justice scalia was on the court thomas is a hero um but so far i think justice barrett denied review and a couple of other justices have denied uh the entire supreme court review of the case thus far so not totally encouraging results at all from the supreme court but uh right now at least the biden administration is blocked from terminating or disciplining federal employees until this case gets heard so uh, kudos to, to Mike Yoder and, and his team and a, a, at least a temporary victory. Yeah. Uh, well, will these cases with uh, federal employees, will will the court rulings on that set precedent for private employees? It will depend on what legal theories the plaintiffs are arguing. Uh, I hope they argue, they should argue that the federal government has no police power to do this sort of thing. Hmm. If you look back and the, uh, in previous iterations of pandemics, you look back at um, the 1700s with the smallpox pandemic or the early 1900s with the Spanish flu. Yeah. There were a lot of uh, quarantine, social distancing requirements, even some inoculation, vaccination requirements. All those were imposed at the state and local level. Uh, no one even dreamed, even in the early 1900s, the federal government would have any authority to do this sort of thing. Hmm. And the, the Supreme Court basically has in the case of immigrants or military members, because military members basically give up some rights by becoming uh, members of the military. Right. They have to take orders right. that civilians don't have to take. Sure. And when they tell you up and leave, you have to up and leave. Uh, so the courts have said that the government has broader power with immigrants and with uh, immigrants who are non-citizens and with military members. Otherwise, there is never, there is no Supreme Court decision to suggest that the federal government would have police power to enforce something like this. So I hope that the plaintiff's attorneys on this are arguing the federal government is utterly without authority to enforce this, and it needs to go back to the states and localities. Um, that that should be a winning argument, but I'm not sure if it's one that uh, that uh, Mike Yoder's making or not. Okay. Um, well, now the other ones that you mentioned that you were a little more familiar with. Um, are those all either, I guess, medical or religious exemption based at, at this point? Um, yes. At the, at the federal level, I think the whole, the whole mandate is unconstitutional because the federal government is without power under the constitution to impose it. So the, the entire federal mandate should be shot down at the state and local level, unless you have a religious exemption 
or in some cases a medical exemption, the courts, including the Supreme Court, have been very uh, deferential to state and local government authority on these issues. Uh, so at the at the local and state level, in most in most states, unless you have a religious exemption, um, most of the states are, are starting to impose some vaccines. Now, some of the more conservative states, uh, and I'm trying to think of some of the top, some of the ones off the top of my head, but a number of states are actually passing state bans on vaccination mandates, basically saying you cannot enforce a vaccination mandate in our state. Okay. A lot of the Western okay. states, a lot of the, the states that are farther south are doing this. Um, there are other states that have uh, conscience clause uh, provisions in their legislation. Illinois has a very strong conscience clause provision that you cannot be forced to, to take a medical treatment that goes against your conscience. Now, both houses have now introduced legislation to change that with regard to the COVID vaccine and the governor's promised to sign it. And so the, that law is probably going to change next year, but it, it, it won't be retroactive. So at least for, for now, uh, employees in Illinois can uh, maintain their employment uh, based on the conscience clause. So um, among current states that do have some conscience clause protections would be Kentucky, Illinois, New Jersey, and for healthcare workers only, North Carolina, for healthcare workers and first responders, Oregon. Uh, a number of states have pending legislation for conscience clause protections. Uh, Alaska, Idaho, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Montana, North and South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, and Texas. Wow. Now, some okay. of those states have Democrat governors who will probably veto it, and whether they can pass it over the veto or not, who knows. But those states all have pending conscience clause legislation. Uh, there's there's begun to be a lot of pushback at the at the state level in some of the more conservative states. Um, Virginia, we're just not there yet, but uh, Lord willing, after January, uh, we'll have more legs to stand yeah, on. That's right, right, right. Now, now, when you say conscience clause, that that's is that not even I guess is that separate from uh, religious? Then that's just if you just strongly feel you shouldn't or do they is that kind of also tied it to depends religion? it depends on the states um illinois my understanding is it is a conscience clause it's not limited to religion okay um some of the some of the states may vary um but your your strongest argument is what the supreme court has called a sincerely held religious belief that's right. under under title seven of the civil rights act that if an individual has a sincerely held religious belief the employer has to make a reasonable accommodation to that sincerely held religious belief, unless it is an unreasonable hardship on the employer or the employer cannot make the reasonable accommodation. Um, most of the employers so far have not tried to make that argument that it's an unreasonable hardship. We can't make an accommodation. Mm -hmm. Most of them have just either said, we don't recognize your religious exemption, or mm -hmm. we don't think your religious belief is sincere. By the time those two arguments make their way to the Supreme Court, I, I expect those arguments are going to lose because the Supreme Court's case law is just voluminous that if there's a sincerely held religious belief, employers must respect it as long as it is not an unreasonable hardship on the employer and as long as there is a reasonable accommodation that can be made. Hmm. Okay. Uh, aside from genuinely being afraid of, of the virus, what... What incentive does an employer have to reject a religious exemption? I, I, I just never understood why they would even not take it. With a, a lot of the larger companies are, uh, the leadership is pretty left wing. I mean, you see it when 
Georgia changes their voter laws to make them um, to, to improve voter security. Major League Baseball says we're going to pull the all-star game out of Georgia. So a lot of it is uh, the, the left wing, the woke corporate mob, if you will, yeah. uh, trying to make trying to score political points. Um, others of it is they're, they're just afraid of the public perception. They don't want to look like they don't care about the health of their employees or the health of their customers. Hmm. Um, some of it is groupthink and, and uh, the lemmings over the cliff. Everybody else is doing it, so we, we're going to look bad if we don't do it. Um, a lot of them are just, for most of them, it's just they're afraid of the Biden administration. For most of them, they're intimidated. They don't think they have any right to push back, any, any options to push back. And it's easier to push back and replace employees than it is to push back against the president of the United States. That, yeah, right. Um, now, as far as the the religious exemptions go, um, I mean, I guess, like you said, I, I know that there were some around here, uh, different different businesses. Um, I think Centra being one specifically that they were it was you know, kind of random almost how they were accepting some, rejecting some, but then there were, there were some that said they actually had some pushback on it where they did kind of insinuate that they didn't think it was sincere. They wanted to know why they, you know, um, what religious belief it was that they felt that they shouldn't take that. Um, it wasn't every case, right? Not everyone. And, and I, I guess in some other States, there's been more of that sort of a, a blatant challenge to it instead of just an acceptance or rejecting of it. But uh, what exactly does that? I mean, I guess you know, for for you, you personally, your your personal thoughts on it, as well as just someone who, what what would be the the case for if you are challenged with that? It as far as someone wants to know why you you have that strong held belief that um, what are you, what would they? How would you respond to that? You know, is that even right for them to ask you that? And how would you respond? Sure. Well, Centra, to their credit after giving a lot of their employees a lot of heartburn, um, got a lot of pushback from their employees and Centra to their credit has begun to be, to take a pretty reasonable approach to granting religious exemptions. Right. Okay. Um, which still leaves you on the outside looking in. If you really don't have a religious exemption, you just don't think you ought to have to put something in your body that you're not comfortable with. Hmm. But with regard to religious exemptions, at least Centra has morphed into a pretty reasonable position. Others, uh, BWXT, for example, there's an employee protest going on downtown today or, or was going on right, a couple hours yeah. ago with a lot of BWXT employees um, protesting. Their policy has been to, to more or less take a position that we don't sort of a uh, prospective position, if you will. We really don't believe you. We really don't think this is sincere. We think you're making it up. Um, I've talked to employees there that have given me some of the, the questions that BWXT is asking. Uh, how long have you held this position? Do you have this position with regard to any other medical treatments? Do you, um, have you ever taken any other vaccines besides the COVID vaccine? Um, does your, what religious persuasion are you? Does anyone else in your religious persuasion hold to this? Basically trying to intimidate the employees into um, feeling like if, if I haven't always held this belief or if, um, if I take other vaccines or other medical treatments, or if my pastor doesn't agree with me or my denomination doesn't say I have to take this position, then I must not, this must not be a sincerely held religious belief. The, 
the Supreme Court has been painfully clear on this. It is not your pastor's call. It is not your employer's call. It is not your denomination's call. Um, Liberty Council, uh, God bless Liberty Council. If you go to their website, uh, lc.org slash exempt, okay. you know, that's lc.org slash exempt. They have some really good language there, some really good arguments you can make in your letter to your employer uh, for your sincerely held religious belief. Uh, as, as far as the Supreme Court is concerned, it is what is your sincerely held religious belief today? If you in the past had taken vaccines without looking to see if there was a if the vaccine was developed with a, um, a fetal cell, aborted fetal cell stem, right. cell, uh, stem right. cell research line. Right. But now, you know, the COVID vaccines generally were all developed with use of those fetal stem cell lines. Um, they cannot look at you and say, well, all of a sudden you're getting your back up over COVID and you never even looked before. Um, most of us mature in our faith. I mean, there was a day when I was not a believing, a Bible believing Christian. Um, there was a day when I thought you could, you could be, you could come to Jesus Christ and ask him for salvation and not confess him as Lord at the same time. And later on, you'd, you'd make him Lord of your life and you get him as a sort of a two-part deal. He's saviored in today and he's Lord later on. Hmm. Uh, I've since matured mm-hmm. in my belief and I don't think you can have Jesus as savior if you don't acknowledge him as Lord. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what I used to believe. The, the question is, what do I believe right now today? Right. Um, right. And, and, and Liberty Council's website has some really good language to use if your employer tries to hammer you with those questions. Um, it's, it's basically an inappropriate inquiry under federal law. They're obligated to consider your current sincerely held religious belief, not any uh, belief you may have held to in the past. Okay. Okay. That's great. It's great to know. Um, it's also completely horrible that BWX and others, you know, wherever in the country that, that are doing that. That is but. extremely manipulative. For, for BWXT, it's not just intimidation at being afraid of fines or, or punishments, they're also afraid of losing the contract because the right. federal government is right. far yeah, away their largest yeah. Right. That, yeah, that's their entire industry is government right. contracts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess we've also kind of seen a lot of the, as far as those businesses that are um, – not not necessarily large, um, you know, like like Centra or like BWX, but even um, corporations, businesses, retail stores, that type of thing that we would be going in and out of. Um, that they've started taking it upon themselves to enforce the mandates, both not not necessarily in Virginia as much, but some in other states as far as uh, vaccines, but even some here in Virginia that have almost kind of started to bring back the mask requirements and. I guess, yeah. you know, again, that's the only real requirement is on the school, uh, you know, uh, kids and teachers and all in schools right now. It's just more of a suggestion as far as it goes for everyone else in, in Virginia right now. So I guess what rights do we have when we're, say, entering a business that has set a policy that they appear to have no real means of enforcement established. So I, I actually have a, a, a quick example to give of this. Okay. I, I was traveling, I went to Kansas city and it's, it's a border town. So it's half of its Kansas side, half of its Missouri side and the County right. of Missouri, they had a, I think a mask mandate in place, but I went into Walmart and the lady at the, at the front was saying, Hey, do you have a mask? Do you have a mask? 
And I just, I walked right by because I'm done with it personally. <laughs> and I didn't put it on. And I, she was started yelling at me. I turned around. I just told her no and kept going straight to the fishing section. Picked out my, <laughs> picked out my, uh, my, uh, Sanko worms and went and paid. Now she had started calling security as I walked in, but nothing happened. They didn't, they didn't do anything. So I, right. I would, would I, if I got thrown out, who would have been in the right? Would I have been able to sue them or, or what? Like I, I was just taking hey, a hey, shot in the dark there, but I. A private business has the right to exclude. Um, now it's, it may not be in their best financial interest, um, um, economic interest to do this. A, a private business has the right to exclude as long as it's not on a prohibited basis of race, religion, sex, national origin, so forth, uh, disability status, what have you, uh, age. But as long as it's not a protected class, a private business can exclude. The, the personal position that I have taken is if they don't throw me out and they'll take my money, I'll, I'll patronize them. I haven't been wearing the mask either. I've been ignoring it. Um, other than in, in courts, the courts require it and you can't get into court without it. You can't get past the security. Right, uh, and right. I, I have worn it when I, when I have a court appointed uh, criminal client who is in jail, um, I will, the, the jails require the mask and I don't want to bring something into a controlled space like that, where you have a, a captive audience that, that uh, if, if something starts in a jail or a nursing home, it spreads like crazy. So mm, um, yeah. I, I would have, yeah. I would have agreed to wear the mask there, even if it wasn't required but uh, most i've only had one or two stores that have been really forceful about it you can't come in without it and i've generally just taken my business elsewhere instead of if y'all don't need my money then i can find a, somebody else who will hmm. uh, in the early days is when they were really panicky about it in may and june of last year convenience stores along the interstate were about the only place you could even get in to use the bathroom i mean everybody was crazy about hmm. it yeah, um, yeah. Now you can pretty much get in. They'll they'll post the sign on the door to protect themselves from the Northern regulation here in Virginia, but they're not going to throw you out. They want your money. Um, for most places, that's the case. Um, and I was even up in deep blue Charlottesville yesterday as an election observer for the Republicans. And I went into a convenience store and most of the other people had masks. But nobody said anything. Okay. Um, so it'll depend a lot on the establishment. They have the right to enforce it. I've sort of taken the personal position that they're not doing it because they want to, they would, they want my money. They're doing it because they're scared of the governor. Right. Uh, right. If I really thought the store, the store didn't want me, I would respect that store owner's property. Right. And I'd go somewhere else, but most of them are doing it because they're afraid and I'm not going to play into the fear They're They don't want to do it. They feel like they're forced to, and I just won't be forced. Um, and I, and with, with regard to your other point that you raised about schools, Actually, it is not the law in Virginia that school children have to be vaccinated. Um, even uh, whether at the statutory level, there are certain vaccinations that school children are required to get unless you have a religious exemption. The, the standard measles, mumps, rubella, polio, smallpox, I guess uh, not smallpox anymore, that's been eradicated, but your, your, your basic childhood vaccines are required for, for school children unless the parent has a religious exemption. Um, COVID is not, has not been applied as one of those vaccines as yet. And I, again, I'm pretty confident with the new administration, they're not going to try to make the argument. We can sort of force this, even though it's not in the statute. Uh, I think okay. if McCullough's in the room, you would see the uh, 
state board of education would try to force it even without waiting for the general assembly to, st- to change the statute. I think you would have seen the Democrat general assembly if McAuliffe had been elected. You would have seen the Democrat general assembly probably change the statute to require the COVID vaccine along with the other standard vaccines. Uh, with the Republicans back in charge in the House and the Republican governor, I think all that is here in Virginia, at least, probably dead on arrival. Okay, well, great. That that was actually going to be my next. Uh, you know, with, with the schools, I I know, you know, more specifically with the the mask mandate that they have right now. But the vaccine yeah. that was, you know, that you know we're all riding high on the result of that election yesterday, right now. But you know, we're not out of the woods yet because we still have a couple of months left of Emperor Northam. You know, yes. to uh, that's you know, did you do you think it would be possible for him to try to push something in there these last couple of months and yeah but if 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 he tries to push if he tries to push a vaccination mandate at this point i think we're i'm I'm sure that plaintiffs and attorneys would be asking for a temporary restraining order given the the incoming administration and i would suspect that would probably be granted right Um, there's no it would be foolish to force people to take the vaccine if it's not even going to be required in the next in after two months. So mm-hmm. I anticipate the judge would probably say there's irreparable harm here because that policy is going is likely to be changed mm-hmm. and therefore we're, we're going to forbid it until the new administration takes office and, and tells us what they're going to do. Um, so with regard to the masks, though, there is a mask mandate that that's been imposed by the health department in, in right. public schools. Um, actually, it's been imposed on private schools, although to their credit, a lot of the private schools are just saying we're going to leave it to the, the beliefs and the choices of the parents and mm-hmm. we'll let it be enforced by the parents. If you want your child to wear a mask, we'll do that. If you don't, we're not going to be the enforcer. Uh, and so far, that has been successful strategy for a number of private schools. Again, I, I would anticipate even the mask mandate will at least come into play with the new administration. Um, I, I see the young the Youngkin administration as being very, con- and I say conservative, not not politically conservative, but strategically conservative. I think they're going to probably nibble around the edges. That's certainly the impression I got from the victory speech last night. I did not get the impression that they're looking to make wholesale changes. Um, so I, I think we'll have to hold their feet to the fire as far as the mask mandate goes. I, I think they will be reluctant to make dramatic changes unless there's a lot of public pressure. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Right. Now I have one more quick question on, on the, the deal with private businesses. Um, is if you can get a religious exemption for your employer and for them to that, can bring a religious discrimination case if they reject it maybe could that apply then to a private business as well if i'm if i'm religiously exempt from wearing a mask or getting the vaccine by my employer doesn't that shouldn't that hold true everywhere that has begun to be talked about among the the conservative constitutional lawyer circles um I don't know if it has been litigated. If it has, I'm not sure if it's been litigated successfully as yet. Um, I know it's uh, conservative attorneys who've begun talking about it to argue, um, for example, the um, the public access laws, the, the businesses that are considered um, places of public access, you can't discriminate anymore. It, it used to be that 
the court said back in the, the Jim Crow South, if, a, if it was your private property right and if a white business owner didn't want to let a black person in, well, that's just a property rights issue. Hmm. Well, the Supreme Court has long since said that if you're a public accommodation, you cannot discriminate against your customers on the basis of race, religion, sex, national origin. So it, it has at least been talked about that if folks have a religious objection to a vaccine, for example, I don't know of any private businesses, public accommodations, private businesses that have required a vaccine to enter. And I don't know of a, um, I don't know of folks who have made a religious challenge to the vaccine mandates. I don't even have a religious objection, if you will. I mean, I'm sorry, to the mask mandate. I keep, I keep conflating the two. There are two very, very different issues yeah. here. The vaccine mandate, I absolutely have a religious objection to taking it. The, the mask mandate, I don't so much have a religious objection to it as a personal liberty freedom objection to it right um there's there's no personal liberty or freedom exception to uh, under under title seven to employers even employers and employee relationship uh probably on the public accommodation uh side there's also not going to be a personal freedom personal liberty objection if someone did have a, re a sincerely held religious belief against wearing a mask I think that would at least have some chance of being successful against the, the private business. Um, the question is, could you convince a court that you had a sincerely held religious belief against wearing the mask or not? And that, that may be, um, that may be a difficult hurdle. Hmm. Okay. I, I know that back at the beginning of the school year, there were, um, several different, um, you know, different activist groups as well as, many uh pastors that had signed on trying to get those into the school system yeah. and it, lca accepts religious well, exemptions for well, the masks yeah lca but, but even mean, as far as the the public schools around and it all just kind of seemed to pitter out like they it, it's it's clearly written in the, the the governor's mandate religious exemptions but then it doesn't really seem like the school systems themselves the public schools anyway have even acknowledged that that exists. It's just, you know, everyone is still masked. I don't, I don't know. I can't speak to the counties as much, but I haven't heard anything major out of them that, that they acknowledge that. But Lynchburg, like Lynchburg city, it just wasn't brought up again. They, they've Cam Campbell County's Campbell County, where I live, Campbell County school board is seven to nothing far left. Um, it, it's an unfortunate reality that your school boards attract far left people. Mm -hmm. um, they're generally the goal of somebody running for school board is to get more taxpayer money for your local school. Uh, it is not first and foremost serving children. It's not first and foremost. I want to make sure what my kids are getting taught and make sure they're not getting critical race theory or the 1619 yeah. project. Right, right. Most folks historically who have run for school board is you're there. You're not getting, you're not giving me enough of your tax doll, taxpayer dollars to my child's education. And I'm going to run for school board and make sure that you do. So the school boards tend to be dens of rattlesnakes in terms of their, <laughs> they're, they are, they're very, very left wing. Mm -hmm. um, not that it's bad to want more, more dollars to go to your child's school necessarily, mm -hmm. but they don't attract people that are there for uh, smaller government reasons, certainly. Uh, so when the governor says, to, to people who ran for school board on the basis, I want more taxpayer dollars. And the governor says, uh, you're going to be in trouble with me if you don't enforce the mask mandate. There's not going to be any pushback. They're, they're already predisposed, pre-programmed. Right. Um, 
all of a sudden you're seeing a lot of pushback against the, the guys and girls bathrooms after the abominations that have happened in Loudoun County, which were totally predictable to thinking people. But uh, now that those things are starting to happen, now that you have, I call it critical racist theory being taught in the schools, they're they're calling it other things, social, emotional learning and and other um, feel good titles to to disguise what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But now the parents are waking up and the, the problem is this has been taught in the schools now for generations. And we're only just now awakening up to what's being, what's being taught. But uh, now you're having a lot of people that are concerned about critical race theory, the, the, the guys marauding in the girls' bathrooms, um, and the mask mandates is, is sort of the, the cherry on top, if you will. Um, if, to me, I don't really care why somebody wants to get involved in their child's education. To me, I, I get a lot more upset against about guys being in my little girl's bathroom or um, my child being taught that America's evil and it's hopelessly racist and you, you can't get ahead based on your skin color in this country. I get a lot more upset about that over my kid being forced to wear a mask at school. But whatever motivates people to get involved and say the government has too much power, parents should have more choice, it ought to be up to the parents and not up to the bureaucrats in Richmond and Washington. Whatever it is motivates that parent to get more involved, I will take it. And we're seeing a huge pushback on all three fronts, the masks, the the critical racist theory and the, the, uh, the guys and girls bathroom. Uh, I refuse to call it transgender bathrooms because there's no such thing as transgender. Uh, it's you, you've God created man and woman and that's where we are. And, and right. That's right. Yeah. You have to, you have to, you pretty much have to be a science denier to argue otherwise because people either have one body part or another. And, and here we are. It shouldn't um, be a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I'm, I'm not, I don't want, I don't concede to the other side's terminology. We we lose when we concede the terminology. That's right, right. Um. So, well, I guess you know, like you say, I'm not sure I ever answered your question. The oh, answer no. is most of your most of your school boards are full of left wingers who are not interested in listening to a religious exemption. That's the their government is their god. The, the their local schoolhouse is their local church house, um, and they're interested in defending that interest, not your religious liberty interest. And that will not change unless and until you do like Bedford County did yesterday and two new conservative write-in candidates get elected to the school board. Right. Um, that's where it has to go. Um, you can recall your school board member. It takes a little more doing, but if you don't want to wait for the election two years down the road, I think it's 15% of the, the voters in the district have to sign a recall petition. And then you put him back on the ballot next year and vote him out next year. Hmm. So there, there are more, more than one way to skin that cat. Yeah, that well, that that issue has come up in Lynchburg City a few times. All the surrounding counties can actually, uh, they actually do elect their their school board members, but Lynchburg, yep. the city council appoints them. So and they're, Lynchburg, they're, you can you can recall your city councilman. Right, right. That they there was the petition going around a few months back that was you know to petition for city council to allow you know a, a hearing basically for election of school board members and it didn't right. quite make the the amount of signatures that they needed it was just, just a little shy and so you know yep. I, they're, they're going to be trying to get that back going again next year i'm sure because we're good the, we're the only one around that they're appointed and not elected and that's a horrible idea so uh <laughs> yeah. agreed yeah lynchburg lynchburg has been very resistant to it the, the funny thing is that it's going to impact lynchburg the uh the Democrat legislature 
uh, actually joined by my friend Amanda Chase, who should not have done this, but the Democrat legislature actually moved. Um, historically, a lot of cities and towns have held their local elections in May, and uh, you have a lot less participation in May. Mm-hmm. So the Democrat legislature, in their infinite wisdom, with, again, the unfortunate support of my friend Senator Amanda Chase, actually changed the law to where now you're in the future, your local elections are going to have to occur in November. Um, in most of your Northern Virginia and Richmond localities, that's going to help the Democrats. But the funny thing is in Richmond or in, in Lynchburg, rather, Republicans usually win in November. Glenn Youngkin won pretty convincingly in Lynchburg yesterday. Right. So actually moving the city council elections to November is actually really going to hurt your, your overlords in Lynchburg city council and uh, I anticipate seeing a major shakeup on city council next go round, and more than likely you all are going to have the chance to to have a voice in your school board members in the not too distant future. Thanks to the Democrats. <laughs> hey, well, we'll take it. I mean, <laughs> that's yeah. got to wait another year, but I mean, sounds good. But uh, no, I, I guess. Well, again, thankfully this this may not apply as much to Virginia now, like, you you know, because we, we've talked to that, but in some of the other, um, in some of the other states, do you feel like there might be, like we've seen with kind of the, the, the second amendment, uh, violations that were going on, how you had divisions into second amendment sanctuary cities, um, right. And, and counties, uh, do you feel like, and is there enough, I guess, is there enough weight behind doing that where, you know, if, if a state has mandated something and and you got counties that that just swear off as, you know, being kind of independent from that, they, they become sanctuary counties or cities or whatever. It Again, it doesn't necessarily apply to Virginia, but just as a thought, could that be something we're looking at almost? To some extent, it's going to depend on the state. Uh, it's easier to do in most states than it is in Virginia. Okay. Um, most states are what are called home rule states. In a home rule state, unless the locality is prohibited by state law from taking a specific action, the locality can more or less do as they please. Virginia, on the other hand, is what's called a Dillon rule state. In Virginia, localities can't do anything without specific statutory authorization. So a home rule state, which most of our states are, Unless the state legislature has told you you can't, you've got a blank check. In Virginia, unless you've been given specific authority to do X, Y, or Z, you cannot do X, Y, or Z. Um, which is why the, the Second Amendment sanctuary resolutions, as helpful as they were for galvanizing public interest and attention, they really don't provide any real protection. Hmm. Um, okay. If the, your, your, your locality can't stand up to the, if, if the state health department says we will shut you down if you don't enforce a mask mandate, the state, the city council or the the local county board can't uh, overturn the state. Uh, I would imagine in home rule states, you might be able to do that because your your state enforcement power, uh, and this is where it was going with the Second Amendment, you were going to have some pitched clashes between uh, state uh, health department folks coming into Lynchburg or Campbell County or Appomattox County and saying, we're going to shut your restaurant down. And we were looking for sheriffs with enough guts to bar the door and tell the health inspector, we're not going to let you in. We're the chief law enforcement officer in this county. You may not enter this restaurant. You may not close it down. You do not have access to the restaurant. Hmm. Um, That was the constitutional crisis that was coming in Virginia. If we'd have had sheriffs with the the guts to stand and hopefully now for the next four years, that's not going to be an issue. 
but that's where it was about to go in Virginia was the, the, the lesser magistrates theory that the sheriff as the constitutional, the chief constitutional law enforcement officer in Virginia forbidding state agents from coming in and shutting a business down. Uh, I don't know a specific sheriff yet who, who was gutsy enough to take that. Mm. There were a couple in far Southwest Virginia. There was one in Culpeper who really had taken some really hard lines on the second amendment, uh, whether it would have gone quite that far or not, um, whether they would have been willing to go quite that far. I'm not sure, but that was the constitutional crisis that was being provoked. I would love to see a local legislature do that and say, we will not allow businesses to be shut down for refusing to force the mandate and, and take it to the courts and see where it would go. In Virginia, it probably would not have been successful because we're a Dillon rule state. Hmm. Um, okay. Again, fortunately now, hopefully, at least for the next four years, it won't be an issue. Right, right. Hopefully. <laughs> and hopefully. I mean, to that, I guess it was just, you know, we honestly weren't sure what we should be asking. You know, we, we, we obviously had a lot of stuff kind of prepared to to put out here and, and talk with you about, but I feel like a lot of our audience and a lot of people out there are kind of in the same boat that everyone's obviously concerned with everything, but it, you know, it, what, what should we, we be, we be doing? What options do we have as far as these things coming up? You know, are, are we, is there some kind of key point that we're, we're missing in us not knowing the law? So, it, I mean, any advice or guidance you could give to that would, you know, be greatly appreciated just so everybody's well informed of what we got going on. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll try to give you just a short roadmap of what to do. Uh, if it's, if it's your child and a, and a vaccine or if it's your child and a mask mandate is right now, there is no vaccine mandate for COVID for school children. Right. Uh, right. The health department is considering it. Yeah. Uh, again, I suspect that with the new administration, that's going to be back burnered, mm -hmm. but uh, for the mask mandate in schools, the, these local school boards really have not been accepting religious objections. Um, the solution to that is replacing your school board members um, in order to, to get that done. There's, there's no long-term damage, if you will, to being for, for most children for being forced to wear the mask. If you, if the child has asthma or some other medical exemption, you can if you get a doctor's note, you can probably get your, your medical exemption from most schools. Um, the, if you want to fight over it, if you want to take a lawsuit up, uh, absolutely um, get in touch with me and, and we're happy to talk about it. The But with the mask mandates um, in the schools, those are diff or more difficult to fight. On the vaccine side, um, for if your child's in school is, if they're trying to force the issue, absolutely file a religious ex ob objection. And uh, in worst case, pull your child out while it's being and, and, and either homeschool or put in, put the child in private school while it's being litigated if they try to force the issue rather than make the child take the shot if you're if you have a religious objection to it. Okay. Um, and most likely the religious objection in the school context to the to the COVID vaccine, at least here in Virginia, uh, is probably going to end up being protected with the new administration. Mm -hmm. With regard to the vaccine um, and in the employee context, that's much, much tougher especially if you work for a company with over a hundred employees, they're absolutely panicked by the, the Biden order. So uh, for that, your, your roadmap is go to Liberty Council's website. I, I am not a web guy. I, I wish I, I understood 
um, <laughs> web design so I could really update my website properly. I, I need to, I don't know, find someone younger than me who's better at it. Um, but libertycouncil.org or lc.org, uh, particularly their exemption page, lc.org slash exempt, uh, okay. has the roadmap for you. For They have draft letters that you can send to your employer to, uh, to argue your religious rights. But the first thing to do, send them your religious exemption letter when they, when they hit you with the mandate. And um, again, don't copy and paste the Liberty Council letter because they'll, they'll know it was copied and pasted, but use their arguments as a, a template or a, a scaffold for building your letter. Okay. Um, if they either reject your exemption or indicate they're going to immediately step two, so step one is your religious exemption letter. Step two is file your charge with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Um, again, if you go to lc.org slash exempt, um, the, uh, the form is right there. If you go to eeoc.gov, you can find around their website how to file a charge of discrimination. Uh, now, they're looking for racist or race or, or sex-based discrimination or, or um, sexual orientation discrimination, but they also have to take up yeah. their religious exemption claim. Okay. Uh, so go to the eeoc.gov or lc.org slash exempt, they can take you directly to the specific EEOC page that, where you file your charge. File that as soon as your company indicates that they are, are not going to grant your exemption or, or likely not going to grant your exemption. The EEOC historically takes several months to, to get to the bottom of these complaints, and that was before they had thousands upon thousands of new complaints over the, the vaccine. Hmm. So it's going to take months to get it resolved. Once the EEOC... Uh, looks it over. If they determine you were discriminated against on the basis of their religion, they will give you what's called a right to sue letter. And then you can go to the court and sue. Um, then call me. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. I'd be, yeah. be happy to, uh, yeah. happy to help. And Liberty council is helping a lot of folks. Uh, I'm certainly happy to help. But as soon as you have your right to sue letter from the EEOC, you're basically saying, we think there's a, at least a valid argument that you may have a religious discrimination claim then you can file your lawsuit. The downside is this takes months. So that there is no guaranteed, I can't sit here today and tell you there's a way I can absolutely keep you from losing your job. There's not. If your employer says, sorry, we reject the religious exemption claim, over time, clear through the Supreme Court, they're probably gonna lose that fight. Over the short term, they fire you and you're, you're on the job market looking for something. Right. Um, most courts have not granted temporary injunctions, well, until, until the one with the federal employees, most courts have not granted temporary injunctions against employers firing their employees. Um, absolutely stand up and fight it. I mean, God bless the BWXT employees who, who stood up and fought today. The Centra right. employees, the original indications out of Centra were that they didn't believe us. They were not, they didn't believe their employees. My sister works there and, and she was given her exemption. But the, the original indications were, we, we don't think it's sincere. We think you just don't want to take this particular vaccine and we're not going to grant it. They got so much pushback from their employees. What I was hearing was less than a third of their employees had been vaccinated with a week to go before the deadline. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Facing that level of crisis and being able to care for their patients, they ended up deciding to be a little more reasonable about granting the religious exemptions. So blessings on the WXT employees today who who said, no, we're going to stand up and fight. Absolutely stand up and fight. Um, but but um, there's there's no guarantee that they won't fire you and you're having to look for another job while this case works its way through the court. I, I wish there was a, a magic uh, 
a kryptonite here I could offer, but there's, there isn't. Uh, and in the, in the long run, I think a lot of people are going to win these battles. They're going to get reinstated. They're going to get back pay. They're going to get damages. Uh, but in the short run, there's people who are either going to have a really tough decision between taking the vaccine or looking for another job and yeah. filing that EOC charge, filing the lawsuit and, and vindicating themselves in court. All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, that you just made me think of that that the situation going on up in uh, New York right now, how they they almost don't have a uh, fire department or EMS or, or oh, trash, police. Trash yeah, ten their... feet high, piles of trash <laughs> ten feet high in the streets. Is that that's the situation that they're in with the mandate, and they yeah they they've got people trying to go against it, but essentially all these people have been let go from their jobs and society's not functional anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, well, it's, I mean, that was the, I'm looking here again at the, the Mike Yoder case that you referenced. Mm -hmm. um, I'm looking at the, um, looking at the, uh, the complaint that Mike Yoder filed and they're making that same argument. You're the, the, the country is going to be left vulnerable. If you start having military members being fired left and right, right. you can't just sure. automatically replace, you can't just automatically re replace well-trained and, and, mm -hmm. uh, educated and, and higher up uh, officer ranks. You can't just replace them immediately with raw recruits and, right. and expect that you're not going to create a readiness problem. Mm -hmm. um, and that was uh, Mike Yoder's argument. Um, I don't know if, the, if that argument's been raised in the, in the context of the firefighters in New York or not. If not, um, it ought to be. Right. For sure. Well, it seems like that. I, I think, I think Centra, Centra was more or less forced by employees that just said no mm -hmm. to, to take a more reasonable position um and i strongly if, if you can afford to do it if you can afford to fight back if you can afford to risk losing the job fight it uh, because other people's liberty is riding on it your kids liberty is riding on it i had a friend of mine who worked for a uh, it wasn't it wasn't even his full-time job he had a sideline gig as a uh, referee I, I forget if it was basketball or some other sport okay but he would have been a perfect plaintiff because the the league the the league authority that was trying to force the uh, the mask mandate on the um, the referees basically said we don't care about your religious exemption we don't believe you uh, and in fact they said we're we're determined to squash this fake religious exemption nonsense by forcing our referees to take it and I said man buddy you, you're my perfect plaintiff when you when you see them overtly when you've got them on record saying they're overtly hostile to religion and they're trying mm -hmm. to punish people for religious beliefs uh, i want you to be my plaintiff can i please please use you as a plaintiff and sue and he wouldn't do it because he said well that i won't get to be a referee this year if they do it wasn't even his day job if i could find people in positions like that who are not losing their day job but who can show clear um just invidious discrimination on the basis of religion but you're not going to lose your day job over it that's a perfect plaintiff. That's a case that you yeah. will win. You will be able to stand for freedom for yourself and a whole bunch of other folks. I've, I've been trying fruitlessly to talk my buddy into letting me sue on his behalf. So if, if you're a person, if you, your viewers, your listeners are, are people in those positions who have been discriminated against on the basis of religion and it's not your day job and feeding your kids at stake, you're the perfect plaintiff. Let's take that up and run with it. Right. Okay. I mean, uh, even a, a part-time job small victory like that i mean that you yes. know that that carries weight with it in in argument for others you know that, that should set great. that should set legal precedent. absolutely and right if, 
And if you're, and, and you may be a person who's so important to your company. I, I had a, a man who worked for a large company in Richmond who was so important. He was high up in their IT world and they basically couldn't let him go. And he mm-hmm. said, look, I'm just not taking it. Replace me if you can. And I said, well, okay, then we'll, we'll give you the religious objection, <laughs> religious exemption. But people taking stands like that are winning freedom because others, others then are going to look at that and say, well, you granted his on the basis of his religion quote unquote, if you're granting his on the basis of his religion, you, then you can't discriminate against my religious yeah, belief. Right, right. Um, so if you're in a position where you have that kind of uh, uh, bargaining power that you're, you're too, too valuable to your employer to, to be let go and they'll make an exception for you, then by all means stand for that exception. Hmm. If you can easily switch jobs, then fight it, force their hand, take that other job, force their hand. Let's take it to the EEOC. Let's take it to court and let's protect the liberty of your kids and other Americans, uh, if if you can afford to make that sacrifice, and it's not a uh, give in or go hungry kind of decision, we've got to fight these fights. Okay, great. Yeah, definitely agree. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, I mean that, that that's that's about all that we could, uh, you know, really think that we we were really wanting to address with you. I mean, um, we greatly appreciate it. Um, it, it, is there anything that you want to, you know, uh, how do, how do people get in touch with you? How do they, um, follow what you've got going on? I know you have another, uh, seminar coming up and, you know, just... yes, tomorrow, tomorrow night at seven at the forest library out on two twenty one. Okay. Uh, forest road in forest. Um, we're going to redo the, uh, the mask mandate or I'm sorry, the vaccine mandate workshop that we did in October. That was very uh, well attended. We had 80 some people there. Of course, Facebook got wise to it, and they, they're not running my ad this time, so it, I think it's oh. going to be a bit lighter attendance tomorrow hmm. night because it's, it's not getting the advertisement. But by all means, folks are welcome to come. Um, most of what we've talked about today and a whole bunch more will be on the PowerPoint tomorrow night, um, and anybody who attends will email, will get their email, we'll send them a copy of this PowerPoint um, with uh, Liberty Council's information on there with EEOC's website on it. So everything we've talked about tonight will be uh, in your in the hands at the disposal of, of folks who attend tomorrow night. So I'd certainly encourage people to come on out to the uh, the Forest Library at seven o'clock. We'd love to see you. Uh, if you go to Integrity Law on Facebook, the event site is there. Uh, if folks are are uh, so moved, we'd certainly appreciate your sharing the event around and spread that and and. They haven't they haven't uh, banned my event yet. They just yeah. run the app. Right. So uh, share the event around. Let folks know. Uh, we'd love to have another good crowd tomorrow night. The website is integritylawlynchburg.com. Uh, you, all our contact information is there. Uh, you can email me at rickboyerlaw at gmail.com. That's just like it sounds, all small letters, no symbols. Uh, Rick Boyer. Boyer is B-O-Y-E-R. So Rick Boyer Law at gmail.com. Okay. Uh, email me and I'd be happy to share the PowerPoint with you as well. Um, but we'd love to see folks tomorrow night. Uh, there's there's strength in numbers. It, it was very encouraging in October. I mean, everybody who came into that room came in thinking they were the only one and they left. You know what? There's a whole army of people yeah. who think like yeah. I think and who are, who are willing to fight over this. So right. uh, we'd love to see folks. Some free junk food will be out there and uh, we'd, we'd love to have folks join us tomorrow. Okay. That, yeah. That's great. And, um, we, we, we will try to be posting this episode tomorrow. So that is, you know, it'll be the night of when it, when it posts. Um, uh, so, but, but as far as if, if, 
anyone hears it and was was to miss it, they can uh, email you and and get that that PowerPoint from you. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Great. Well, thank you, thank you so much for for talking with us tonight, clarifying some things, yeah. and and just just helping us out. You know, it, it's, it's it's incredible everything that you're doing. You're you're just an absolute weapon. Answer to prayer. Yeah. yeah. Really awesome to talk well, to so you. Are, so are you guys. I mean, getting the word out there is, is critical. And I don't know if you know my buddy John Harris, who also has a podcast, who's, who's here in Lynchburg. He's mm-hmm. been taking up a lot of, of these freedom-related issues. I mean, the, the conservative podcast world is has been one of the only links to reality in the, the post-reality world we've been living in since yeah. January 20. Right. Um, and so you guys are, are doing a, a huge service. And um, I appreciate you guys being there, and I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, to be on with you today. Oh, well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, once again, thanks, and uh, ha- have a good night. <laughs> thank you, guys. God bless. Okay, yeah, yeah, you, you too. too. Thank you. All right. Well, I mean, that was... That was awesome. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So glad he was able to come on with us, and I, I definitely hope that that was good information for everyone that that's listening. Uh, I, I think that I guess one of the other issues too, to think about with, with legal matters, it, it is kind of intimidating because you, you know, obviously many of us don't know what to do on our own. And of course he gave some great resources, uh, with the Liberty council site that has kind of a, a step-by-step walkthrough, but also just the, you know, the, the fee of, 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 of taking on a case that, whether it's against an employer or against, uh, uh, you know, state, uh, city, state, federal even. Um, b- but yet the the strength in numbers aspect of that, that uh, I know like the, in the Yoder case, for example, I think he represents almost 40 people specifically, but that number's probably going to increase as it gains. It hasn't already. Yeah, as it gains momentum since they've already kind of put a halt to the uh, the the federal level of of the mandate itself, so now is th- the time to be uh, collectivists, right? On, on this issue, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it as far as you know, at at a job or where whatever the case may be, if it's if it is going at it from a to an employer level, and I'm telling uh, you what, learn learn uh, learn real estate, learn how to start a business, do whatever it takes to be able to uh, quit your job and be okay at least and and just right. you just trust god and oh yeah i mean for sure which i mean you know that just something where you're not part of that system as much is great but i think that it you know the approach of of going about it with with groups of you know to to bring if if the situation gets that extreme for folks out there to to put that to, you know pull together getting getting that legal representation and so you actually have some ground to stand on and the burden of it doesn't all fall on just one person because I mean I, hopefully that I would assume most people out there in these kind of mandate situations from a job and that type of thing they're not alone I mean we saw that with we we talked of the uh, the Centra situation and and then at BWX uh, there was you know from what I saw, a pretty good group of people out there today that were protesting against that. So, you know, taking that strength that you have in numbers and those that are against it and really putting it to 
to proper use in way of of legal action against this stuff because that's that's our path out of this you know that that just just like we saw with the elections last night i mean that we've got the strength in numbers and if we all are unified on it and you got enough people moving forward with that kind of momentum with the proper representation then you have very strong ground to stand on as far as a pushback for these things so that's i mean that's my take on it and that's that's what i hope that uh everybody got out of that that it's it's not something we have to be so Mm -hmm. so worried and intimidated by because yeah the options are there and, and also just that things are looking up for for our state here you know in virginia we we made some some major gains last night. So, you know, a couple months left on, under one regime. And then, uh, yeah, chances are the, 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 a lot of the mandate type stuff, hopefully won't be as much an issue, yeah. but that doesn't mean that we can let up either. Like, like, uh, Mr. Boyer said, you know, holding, holding the next administration's feet to the fire and making sure they stay true to that word as well. They've they've run their campaigns on this type of stuff, and so we got to make sure that that's what that's what's done. That's what the people of Virginia voted for them to do. You know, we we don't want mandates. We do want our our schools to be run. Uh, the the founding fathers wanted us to be the ones responsible for our freedoms, not the government. Exactly, and that's yeah. where we're that's where we're gonna. It's where we're having to come back to that that mindset of taking responsibility for it, and not just hoping that the the people in charge are gonna do the right thing. Right. Yeah. No, you you're you're free. You're a free people because God said you are, not the government. So right. act like it. <laughs> now that's exactly right. And well, I guess that that about wraps us up here for tonight. But uh, everybody, to make sure to. Check out the uh, the the meeting he was talking about. Mister Boyer was talking about that's on Thursday, November fourth. Just in case we get this episode up tonight on the third, um, and everybody, make sure that you subscribe, and you'll you'll find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Rumble. And again, just make sure you guys subscribe. That's what really helps us out the most, and you so that you can. See you know keep track of us know what we're putting up next, um, and we it, it helps us know who our how much our audience is growing too. It's, right, exactly. Yeah. And then we would love your feedback. Uh, any 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 suggestions, any comments, any ideas on guests, topics, whatever you want to see us going into next. Um, so you can reach us at battlefieldspodcast at protonmail dot com. So thanks again, guys, and keep fighting the good fight, and God bless. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Yeah.